This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, October 22nd, 2021, and this is your public radio station, KUAF. You can listen to us anytime, anywhere, using the free KUAF app. Today on Ozarks, we spend time at George Dombeck's studio. Most of my career has been focused on one subject matter for an intense period of time, uh, two to five years, something like that. But now, the last 10 or so years, 12 years, I've been doing lots of things at the same time. And so uh, I find that a lot more fun. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich brings us that profile ahead. And in about four minutes, Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics says the value of homes and the number of homes sold in the Arkansas River Valley continuing to go up. He'll talk to us about that and other matters just ahead. A ruling by the Arkansas Supreme Court could clear the way for the Cherokee Nation to open a casino in Pope County. As Roby Brock with our partner Talk Business and Politics explains, the decision yesterday is the latest in a long-running battle about local support. Well, the Supreme Court decision is a big one in this Pope County casino case. Um, a little background, there can only be one casino in the county based on the amendment that was approved by voters in November of 2018. Gulfside Casino had a letter from then-County Judge Ed Gibson, who wrote his letter of support in December of 2018, about a month after voters approved that uh, amendment. The Arkansas Racing Commission, which oversees the issue of the casino permit, did not open the application process, however, until May of 2019. Uh, That's when Cherokee Nation businesses received a letter of support from the new county judge, Ben Cross. So these letters from local elected officials are a condition for getting the license. Roby Brock from our partner Talk Business and Politics. In a statement, an attorney for Gulfside Casino Partnership expressed disappointment and suggested this wasn't the end of the case. An attorney for the Cherokee Nation called the ruling greatly appreciated and suggested litigation is nearing an end and construction of a casino would soon begin. Numbers regarding COVID-19 in Arkansas continue to trend downward. There are 120 fewer active cases over the past 24 hours, and 14 fewer people hospitalized because of the virus. That's now at a three-month low. The Arkansas Department of Health counts just more than 500 new cases found in the latest round of testing and seven newly confirmed deaths in the most recent cycle. There are 22 fewer school districts with at least 50 known new infections per 10,000 residents living in that school district than there were in Arkansas last week. The Arkansas Center for Health Improvement tracks that data and also reports there are still just five school districts with at least 50 percent of residents of those districts vaccinated. Bentonville School District remains at the top of that category with a vaccination rate of 54 percent. The city of Bentonville will host a public meeting regarding the allocation of American Rescue Plan funds Tuesday, November 2nd. City residents and elected officials will have a chance to hear from city staff about the American Rescue Plan Act at City Hall. And the meeting is designed to go both ways, so members of the public can offer opinions and insights to city staff and elected officials about that money. The meeting is scheduled for 6.30 to 8 in the Bentonville City Council Chambers Tuesday night, November 2nd. The fourth-ranked Arkansas Razorback soccer team continues to roll, notching a 13th consecutive win last night over number 19 Auburn 2-0. The win helps the Razorbacks clinch at least a share of their third straight SEC title. Arkansas hosts Mississippi State for the last home regular season match Sunday night at 6. And collegiate volleyball back on the agenda tonight and through the weekend. The Arkansas Razorbacks are at number 9 Kentucky tonight at 8, then again Saturday evening at 6. The Arkansas-Fort Smith Lions have two home matches this weekend, part of Family Weekend at UAFS. Tonight at 6 against St. Mary's, Saturday afternoon at 1 against St. Edwards. And the John Brown University volleyball team is away for matches at Oklahoma Panhandle State and Wayland Baptist. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm happy that on the phone from his office in Fort Smith with me is Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. How were the previous six days for you, Michael? Um, good. 
Good. Well, um, I'm 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 on this side of the clay, so I'm going to take it. All right. Uh, Okay, let's start with home price values in the Fort Smith Metro. That's uh, a story that's at talkbusiness.net right now. I'm going to let you say the number, but they've gone up a significant amount. It was a sort of an eye-popping figure for me. Yes, um, it, it, it was up, and, I, and I'm going to put a – it won't be a downer, but I'm going to put a little perspective on the end of this. Uh, so home sales in the Fort Smith Metro area, which includes a little bit of eastern Oklahoma um, – but through the first nine months of the year through September, uh, home sales are up almost 12%, and the average home price uh, is up just a little over, well, just under 23%. Wow. Um, uh, exactly. And then the value of those homes sold, so you match up the number of homes with that average home price going up, the value of those homes sold was uh, just under $629 million, which was up 37% from the same time last year. And, and I want to stress last year was an incredible year, even during a pandemic. I know it's hard to believe, but last year was an incredible record or not a record, incredible year for home sales in the area. And on top of that, you're getting these double digit uh, increases. Now, just for a little perspective, the pace of gains, the pace of the increase is slowing a little bit. For example, you know, home sales through the first nine months are up 12% through the first six months. They were up 17%. And the value of those homes sold this year up 37% through the first nine months. Through the first six months, they were up almost 48%. So the, there is some heat coming out of this, but mm. which I guess is to be expected. I, I, it would take a deeper dive in interviews with realtors and, and uh, mortgage companies to figure out what's going on. But I, I, I think some of it, from what I've heard from realtors, is that some of the slowdown is just there aren't enough homes to be sold, that there's more demand than there is supply. And if there's anything going to slow it down, it'll just be you don't have the property to sell. There's also not, and it's not only on home sales. Um, the report uh, also showed that multifamily property sales, apartment sales, duplexes, that kind of thing, are up almost 19%. And commercial property sales are up more than 60% through the first nine months. So there's a lot of um, cash that, that's chasing a lot of property, raising property prices. And I, and I have an anecdotal experience. I, I had a good friend who just recently listed a home for sale. The first family that toured it uh, – gave an offer that was above the asking price with no qualifications and boom, within two or three days of listing it, by the time the person toured it and the offer came back, that was it. Above so above you, the asking price. Above the asking price. And not just a little bit above the asking price. So the story, the moral of the story is if you list a house in the Fort Smith metro area you better be ready to move out because it, it might sell very quickly. Well, while this increase in home sales uh, prices is good for a home seller, uh, forgive me, I, I, I'm always sort of elementary on this. Can't that be seen as not great news for a home buyer? Yeah. So um, yes. So if you're if you're wanting to sell and buy into something else, um, depending on which way you buy, do you buy up into a larger property or smaller property? Where do you get, are you in a different metro area that has a higher or lower percentage gain? Yeah, you, there, there are going to be a lot of factors that come into play, whether, yeah, I may have just sold my house for $300,000 and, and um, that may be 15000 above the list price. That's just an example, but if I have to move to an area where the same house is going to cost me three hundred fifty thousand, right? I, I've, I've gained nothing. Right. You know, I'm upside down on that. So, yeah, it it um, it definitely comes with a caveat. Uh, and one other thing the report noted that I thought was telling, and it goes to how quickly they're moving for the whole region for the entire region. The average days on market for a home were set with 71 days. The same period last year was 102 days. Mm -hmm. So it's more than 30 days, full month difference on um, 
on how quickly it takes these homes to sell on average. Seller's market. So again, yeah, if you, again, if you list your home, you better, <laughs> you, you could be homeless before you know it. <laughs> All right, let's move from land to sea. Well, not sea, but to river, um, Arkansas River. You kind of forward foreshadowed this a, a few weeks ago when we talked about this. The the amount of material being uh, sent along barges, on barges along the Arkansas River, is up, and that's a sign of some sort of rebound, right? Yes, and it wasn't that I foreshadowed it. It was just that um, Marty Schell, who operates the ports in Fort Smith and Van Buren, said he expected the, the traffic to increase. Because um, if you remember, it was it was relatively flat, just a little down at six months. But um, for the first nine months of the year, tonnage on the Arkansas River system, which again stretches from the Port of Catoosa and Tulsa down to the where the Arkansas hits the Mississippi, uh, was 7.9 million tons, almost 8 million tons. It's up 3.4% compared to the same period in September. Um, and September shipments were considered were, um, almost 10% above uh, September 2020, so it, the quarter finished out pretty strong. Uh, inbound shipments, those again, that those are those coming from off the river system into Arkansas. Uh, those were up 13%. Outbound shipments were down 4%. Internal shipments that that's what sent port to port was up was pretty much flat. It was up 0.5%. Um, and again, I want to stress to your listener the the reason we come we keep up with these is these are kind of the fundamentals, the foundation, the pillar, so to speak, of of an economy, because you're moving sand and gravel and rock, which is critical, obviously, for construction, road building, uh, chemical fertilizers, which is important for the state's agri-industry, um, wheat, uh, iron and steel, and soybeans. So those are, those are, I mean, iron, steel, soybeans, wheat, that, that, uh, that like I said, the fundamental aspects of Arkansas's economy. And so that's primarily what gets moved and it takes thousands of trucks off the roads uh, to do that. And so sand gravel rock, for example, 2.7 million tons up 2% chemical fertilizer, which is important in a lot of, uh, in more industries than just agriculture is up 12% iron and steel shipments, uh, which had kind of been up and down or up 10%. That's a healthy uh, indicator because um, that is sometimes tied to manufacturing. Uh, so if you're using more iron and steel, it, it can yeah. indicate greater manufacturing output. So they're good numbers now. That Now kind of a concern for the industry, and I hadn't thought about this until w- reporting on this, but again, Marty Shell talked about Hurricane Ida has done more damage to the downstream mm. uh, infrastructure, waterway infrastructure, than even Hurricane Katrina or what they previously thought. So there is some concern. Uh, you know, you have port damage, you have barges that are lost or damaged. And so the demand we're seeing, you know, in this global bottle, uh, supply chain bottleneck, we're seeing that also in this river shipping industry where there's more demand for barges, more demand for the boats to push the barges, more demand for lock time, that kind of thing um, is rising and the capacity, the infrastructure is just not there to support it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, how that plays out because you could have you could literally have a decline in activity on the river, and that does not reflect uh, the true economic uh, growth or economic demand for those products. So um, sometimes numbers are down because there's no economy to support it, and sometimes numbers are down because the economy is so strong that the capacity can't support it. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But one thing we're learning or have learned is that. These are all connected, and and at some point, somewhere, shortages or problems with the supply chain do affect other things. Right, and you know, and sand, look at the sand, gravel, and rock shipments to almost three million tons. Well, if you're unable to to um, move that on the river to areas that that uh, produce concrete or produce blocks or bricks. Um, I mean, so how does that play out in building homes or building roads or building commercial structures? Yeah. Yeah. And then the jobs associated with it. So exactly. It's all connected. That's why we try to track it. 
Michael Tilley is with Talk Business and Politics. You can read about what we've talked about and so much more at talkbusiness.net. Michael, enjoy this autumn weekend. We'll talk again next week. All right. Well, thanks for hearing me out. Talk to you later. Nick Offerman says everything seems to be political these days. That's why the actor enjoys going to the great outdoors. No one has built a city based on conspiracy theories. That's what I love about nature. She doesn't listen to any news channels. Well, maybe just NPR. Nick Offerman on his new book, Where the Deer and the Antelope Play, Saturday on Weekend Edition from NPR News. Weekend Edition, tomorrow morning from 7 to 9 on KUAF and streaming at KUAF.com. And ahead this hour, how the Arkansas Coalition of Marshallese is bringing vaccines to people tonight with a movie, hot dogs, burgers, and nurses to answer any questions about the vaccine. We'll hear from Melissa Leilon, the founder of the Arkansas Coalition of Marshallese, in just a few minutes. A Bentonville couple is being recognized as National Angels in Adoption honorees by the Congressional Coalition on Adoption Institute. Arkansas Senator John Bozeman nominated Dave and Jenny Mars for the honor. The Mars are featured on the HGTV show Fixer to Fabulous about restoring old homes. In his nomination, Senator Bozeman writes, the couple has a strong commitment and passion for orphan care, family preservation, and adoption. The senator also recognized the Mars in the congressional record. And a reminder that it's easy to leave a message for KUAF and your community by using the Connect button on the KUAF app for iPhone. Current topics include Ask a Journalist, where you ask your questions about how journalism works. Giving thanks, that will let you share what you are thankful for going into the holiday season. Or you can just hit Share Your Story and share your story with KUAF listeners. Just download the KUAF app for iPhone at the App Store. It's free. Then click the Connect button at the bottom of the screen Set up your account, leave your message. You get to review that message before you send it to us. You can also go old school and call the Connect line at 479-575-6577. That's 575-6577. Connect with your community with the help of KUAF. Central Arkansas Library System's Six Bridges Book Festival is October 21st through the 31st. This free festival offers virtual presentations from authors Sandra Cisneros, Susie Garcia, Melissa Lozada Oliva, and others. Select sessions are available in Spanish through a grant from the Arkansas Humanities Council and the National Endowment for the Humanities. SixBridgesBookFestival.org for event schedule. This is... Ozarks at Large. Artist George Dombeck is inviting the public to come visit his studio and gallery this autumn. He's showing a new collection of small watercolors. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich recently met with the prolific artist to catch up on his life and his work. Dombeck's studio and gallery is located on 40 acres of upland pasture just east of Goshen. George Dombeck purchased the land in the 1980s, later building an elegant art studio and residence, which he shares with his spouse, Sandra Twiggs, and great-grandson. Today, the lush, moss-covered grounds and flagstone walkways are deeply shaded by towering arborvita, loblolly pine, sycamore, dogwood, and Japanese maple, all hand-planted and cultivated by Dombeck. His studio has also grown in size to 8,000 square feet to include a serene gallery complex. I title my work, okay? But that's about as far as I'll go. A lot of artists don't title the work, and I think the reason they don't, they don't want, they want the people to interpret it, bring something to it. And some people bring really very interesting stories to the artwork. Their stories better than my stories, you know, in many cases and that they they, uh, relate to it that way. But I don't do things that um, I can't see, at least a starting point. In other words, I don't sit around and dream something up and paint that. There's something, a visual experience that I have of looking at something. And then uh, also the the view that I take is is a close-up view for the most part. I don't do the the landscape, you know, uh, I'm taking, objects maybe in the landscape but it's not the panoramic view of things and it, and I, I try not to romanticize uh, the, the subject matter 
John Beck has degrees in both architecture and painting, which informs his work. He's produced relentless series of things. While spending time in New York City, for example, he painted urban rooftop cedar plank water tanks. In Italy, he painted sparkling submerged beach stones. He paints vintage bicycles, both on the ground and in trees, intense flower bloom portraits. He never paints people, flocks of flat finches and butterflies, and many, many watercolors of vacant, dilapidated country barns. Most of my career has been focused on one subject matter for an intense t- period of time, uh, two to five years, something like that. But now, the last 10 or so years, 12 years, I've been doing lots of things at the same time. And so uh, I find that a lot more fun to do, get up in the morning and not quite sure of what I'm going to work on today. So I've got now probably six paintings, and that's actually a small number that I'm working on. And some of them are quite different. Like the masters, Dombeck paints the same subject over and over, each a variation on a theme and a style some refer to as constructed realism. You know, I've been painting 61 years and really focused for the last 40 or 45 years on painting. I don't have a lot of other activities. (laughs) That would be an understatement. (laughs) Besides working outside, in the yard, I do that and enjoy that. But most days, seven days a week, I'm, I'm painting. And I'm, I don't socialize a lot. I got a couple of people I see, and that's about it. Uh, I got a, my wife and, and my grandson who lives here, who's uh, 14 now. And he's bigger, taller than my wife, and I can't believe it. I have to look over and say, you know, who is this guy? <laughs> about once a week. But um, it's been a real delight having him. Don Beck was born in Paris, Arkansas in the summer of 1944, one of six siblings, his father a coal miner, his mom a cook. After graduating college, he worked in San Francisco for a time as an architectural draftsman, which accounts for the geometric precision in his paintings, before spending the next 15 years teaching architecture at Florida A&M University in Tallahassee. All the while he painted, his work increasingly attracting scrutiny and awards. Now age 77, Dombeck has lost a bit of steam but remains fully engaged in his practice. He works in very large watercolors and over the past two years focused, he says, on his bicycle series. But this year, he's working smaller. Yeah, I don't know. I fell into this the same of working big. And by big, I mean uh, five feet by five feet. And, uh, and then 40 by inches by 40 inches. But I've had fun in the last several months uh, focusing on small painting, very small painting, uh, 12 by 12, 14 by 14 inches. And that's been fun. It's a change. Gallery director Emily English, who lives nearby, has managed Don Beck's business for years, including travels to exhibitions across the country where he may speak, and sales of watercolor originals, gicle reproductions, sculpture, and his art glass. Don Beck's work is held in over 70 permanent collections owned by major banks and corporations, colleges, medical centers, libraries, and museums, including Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. He just wrapped a solo exhibit at Butler Institute of American Art in Youngstown, Ohio. Life is good, he says. I think I'm having as much fun as I've ever had. Uh, I'm still getting up early in the morning and getting to work. Not quite. I used to get up, you know, four or five o'clock in the morning and sit down with a cup of coffee within 15 minutes of getting up and I'd drink a little part of that coffee and off I would go until I ran out of energy. But I'm taking a little more time. I'm drinking a whole cup of coffee now before I start. He continues to earn his living and like many artists, opens his studio to the public we started about five years ago doing it twice a year. And uh, we do it uh, in June and, and then in the fall. But we started, the first open studio was back in 1995. So we've been doing it 25 years. And the amazing thing, 
a percentage, I don't know what, but I'm, I'm saying maybe 25% of the people that show up have never heard of us, haven't been here. And I find that surprising that we've been, because we've been doing it so long. More people are seeking out George Dombeck to meet the famous artist and to see how he works. You know, this year we're doing it for six weekends, and that's because of this pandemic. So I didn't want to, we did it back in June for two weekends, and you could hardly walk here. Uh, It was just too many people, and you couldn't talk very long to anybody. But now, over six weeks period, we have lots of time to, to visit. The crowds have been quite small, which I like, and uh, it's fun. George Dombeck's open studio on Blue Springs Road, east of Goshen, will continue every Saturday and Sunday through November 7th from 1 to 6 p.m. The galleries also open year-round by appointment. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. You can see a photo of George Dombeck empty coffee mug in hand inside one of his galleries. We've posted that at OzarksAtLarge.com. Tonight, the Arkansas Coalition of Marshallese hosting a family movie night that combines a screening of the new film, Adam's Family 2, free hot dogs and burgers, and vaccines. Melissa Leilon, the founder and executive director of the Arkansas Coalition of the Marshallese, says children can watch the movie Adam's Family 2 while parents learn more about the vaccine. We cannot just wait for people to come visit us. Um, so really, the movie night is, is another creative way for us to uh, to reach the community. And, and instead of waiting for them, uh, we go to them. She says misinformation or skepticism about the vaccine can keep people from getting a shot. But tonight's event is developed to ease that skepticism. But once they speak with the nurses, we have two nurses that speak the language. Uh, so once they just sit there and speak with the nurse, nurses, they change their mind. So we have seen uh, some kind of a transformation. Melissa says gathering together is such an important element of Marshallese culture that the Arkansas Coalition for Marshallese wanted to make tonight's event familial, comfortable, without pressure, and with little required. Uh, they can bring their vaccine uh, record, but it's not they don't, and if they don't, I know we understand that if they have lost their, their card, don't worry about it. Our staff, our office is actually equipped to uh, get into the, I think it's YFZ or some, something like that, uh, software that that's, you know, the state uses to uh, keep their shot records. So we do have access to that. So if, if they don't have it, they don't have to, to, to worry about it. But, you know, I think to me, it's just bring your lawn chair, you know, blanket, whatever mat, Marshallese mat, come over and just have a seat and enjoy while, you know, uh, folks are, are barbecuing and you get to eat cheeseburgers and hot dogs while you're watching um, Adam Family, too. I don't think there's anything to lose about that. The movie night is tonight from 5 to 9. It's free. Black Oak Apartments are at 608. Black Oak Avenue in Springdale. This is Ozarks at Large. I'm in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio. Rhonda Dillard is in what appears to be the House of Guitars. (laughs) The House of Guitars and... Obviously, a couple of CDs behind my head. Yes. Uh, Rhonda is our is our member or our underwriting director at KUAF, and she comes on many Fridays to make somebody happier because she's going to give some tickets to a show. This time, it's Gary Clark Jr. I know. I'm so excited. I I actually purchased tickets. He's I think he's just amazing. Uh, probably closest thing to uh, a modern day Jimi Hendrix that that we may ever have, mm-hmm. in my opinion, of course. Well, okay, so he's going to be at the Amp Saturday night. He is. That's right. Going to be Saturday night, of course, uh, the 23rd. Uh, He is out promoting his new album, which is um, entitled This Land. Uh, From everything I've read, he's already won three Grammys with this third studio album. So from Warner Brothers. So, um, you know, it's it's just going to be a really terrific evening. I think I'm very excited and I hope that the winner uh, will be as well. You know, when you said third studio album from Warner Brothers, 
it made me for uh-huh. just a second think I was listening to K-Keg in like 19... <laughs> what, when, when were you at the keg? Oh, uh, early 90s. Yeah. 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 Early 90s. That was awesome. That was a good time. Yes. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yes. Someday when we, I won't bore the listeners, but I worked for KKEG for one overnight. I'll tell you about that story later. All right. Enough of that. Let's talk about who is going for free to Gary Clark Jr. Saturday night at the AMP. That's right. So the winner of two tickets to the show this Saturday night at the AMP and Rogers is Kimberly Powers. All right. And Kimberly is from Fayetteville. Kimberly, congratulations. Kimberly also says, favorite show, 1A. Very good. I know. She's got good taste. Yes. All right. So you'll be in, and Kimberly gets to take a friend. She does indeed. We'll have two tickets. I will send her an email with uh, all of the information. We'll get her situated for Saturday night, and hopefully she'll have a great time. Now, I know you've told me, but I don't know if we can tell the public yet uh, what the next um, giveaway is. We can. Uh, The next one will be tickets to the Eureka Springs 74th, believe it or not, 74th annual folk festival. So we'll have a a number of tickets that we'll be giving away to one person, but to a number of events that weekend, which will be held, um, I believe, November the 4th through 7th. Sorry, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it's around that time. So we'll be doing that giveaway pretty soon. We will. uh, Friday after next. Okay. Rhonda Dillard. It will start Monday, so. Rhonda Dillard is underwriting director at KUAF. If anyone has something that they would like to include in an underwriting announcement, you're the person to talk to? Absolutely. Give me a shout anytime, and I can be reached uh, via email at Rhonda at KUAF.com. All right, Rhonda, have a great weekend. Thanks. Thank you, Kyle. You too. Bye-bye. The Community Creative Center presents Pottery on the Patio the first four Saturdays in October from 5 to 8 p.m. These free outdoor events will feature wheel-thrown pottery, watercolor painting, plus live music, IDK food truck, beer, wine, and more. Event details and information are available at communitycreativecenter.org. Plenty to do in October, and in fact, just to drive that point home, we'll talk with Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, in just a moment. She'll give us a list of all the things we can do between now and a week from Sunday to get into the Halloween spirit. One other thing to do, next week, Wednesday evening at 5.30 in Gearhart Hall Auditorium on the University of Arkansas campus, New York Times best-selling author Ayanna Gray will be speaking about her book, Beast of Prey. She's also a University of Arkansas alum. And by the way, if you missed our conversation with Ayanna Gray that took place earlier this week on Ozarks at Large, tune in Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large. We'll offer that interview once again. And you can watch Ayanna Gray's presentation Wednesday evening at 5.30, also online. You can fill out an online interest form. Just follow the links that are at the University of Arkansas Honors College webpage, honorscollege.uark.edu. In the background is Shirley Scott on the Hammond B3 organ, and I'm Robert Ginsberg, your host for Shades of Jazz. We'll hear more from Shirley Scott, as well as John Schofield, Herb Ellis, Art Tatum, Marcus Roberts, and much more. Tune into Shades of Jazz every Friday and Saturday, right here on KUAF 91.3 FM, listener-supported National Public Radio. This is Ozarks at Large. It is time for our treat, hopefully no trick. I know Halloween is still more than a week away, but Becca Martin-Brown, features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, is ready to tell us about Halloween, aren't you? I am. We're going to talk about some scary and some not-so-scary things for Halloween. Sounds fair. Okay, if you have a teenager... It's teen night, fright night at the museum at Crystal Bridges from 7 to 9. What does that include? Stuff all over the museum for teenagers to do. Okay. And it's free, and you can register at crystalbridges.org. On Monday at 5.30, Fayetteville Public Library has been doing Monday Night Frights with scary movies on the big screen in the new state-of-the-art event center. Monday nights is Monster House. Wednesday is Little Sprout's Halloween Costume Parade at 9.30 in the morning at the Botanical Garden of the Ozarks. If you're not a member, you have to pay garden admission. And then Friday, it gets crazy. (laughs) Goblin Parade, 3.30 to 5.30 downtown Rogers. 
mm-hmm. trick-or-treating with the downtown merchants. And there's a map at GoDowntownRogers.com. From 6 to 8 is something called Hallow Zing at the Amazium. It's a special night for kids with special needs, their siblings and their adults. Cool. And it's $2 a person. Register at org. There is a drive through carnival from 6 to 8 at 7640 Southwest Regional Airport Road in Bentonville, which is a costumes, candy, and cops drive through carnival. Kids' night at the museum at the Arkansas Air and Military Museum in Fayetteville is Friday night at 7. Candy, costumed characters, and a little bit of spooky history, and that's free. Saturday, there's a Toy Story event. This is Saturday the 30th with a Halloween parade and trick-or-treating at 3 o'clock at the Fayetteville Public Library. A Halloween fest from 4 to 7 at Shiloh Square in Springdale. Trick-or-treat from 4 to 7 on Main Street in Gravit. And a Fright Night Fling with candy and a seven-foot man and a chance to dance to Thriller. <laughs> okay. From 5 to 8 at the Fort Smith Trolley Museum. And it's free. And then on Sunday the 31st, there is Trick Art Treat, a yes. Halloween party in the North Forest at Crystal Bridges. And that's free, but you got to have your timed tickets ready to go. Right. And they are doing masks. Yep. So know that. And then there's the Haunted Houses. I thought we were going to get away without having to talk about these this year. I know you don't like mm-hmm. them. But some people love to be scared. Well, good for them. Let's tell them where to go. (laughs) (laughs) I sounded like I was talking to a child. Some people love to be scared. All right. Asylum Haunted House. Main Street in Cave Springs. This is the one I believe that used to be a mortuary. So go into that knowing. It is open from 7 p.m. to midnight, Fridays and Saturdays through the end of the month. 7 to 10 on the 28th and the 31st are family nights. Nightmares Haunted House on Frontage Road at the edge of Bentonville and Bella Vista. Dusk to 11 Fridays and Saturdays and Sunday the 31st. They say it is an intense, high-energy haunted attraction that uses the latest technology available. I don't like any of those words in conjunction (laughs) with a haunted house. I don't like any of them. Banshee Manor Haunted House. This one has a theme. It has a story around the McCrawlick clan who are Scottish, and they're notorious for being ruthless and barbaric and pure evil, and it's run by a friend of mine. And if I were going to go, I'd go to this one. It's at Locomotion in Fayetteville, and it's open from 7 to 11 Friday and Saturday and 7 to 10 Sunday through the 31st, and it's $13. And I think, I think there's a low scare option to it, but ask when you get there. And then in Fort Smith, there's No Mercy House. Oh, good grief. Which is a fundraiser for the Boys and Girls Club, populated by cannibal clowns. Oh, I'm, can't I just write the Boys and Girls Club a check and call it a day? <laughs> yes, you can. Okay. But if you want to go be scared by cannibal clowns, hours are 8 to 11, today and tomorrow, and again the 29th and 30th. It's at 114 North 14th Street, and it's $15. Oh, no, it's Carpenter's Mortuary. It's a real mortuary in Gentry. Mm. Oh, I was mistaken. And it's open 7 to 11 Friday and Saturday, and then 6 to 10 the 30th and 31st, which are no scare nights. No scare. Not low scare. No scare. Now we're talking. That's what it says. Okay. So you might consider this one as an option. And then in Van Buren, there's the haunted prison okay. where convicts, <laughs> escaped prisoners, chase you on the haunted trail. If you need this list, go sign up for the What's Up newsletter on the NWADG website. And this list will come to you today in our newsletter without Kyle's editorial comments. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll hear them in your head. Hey, I, one, one bit of help for everyone. Do you know how uh, you can tell a cannibal is a cannibal clown? No, Kyle. How can you tell a cannibal is a cannibal clown? It goes for the funny bone first. I just wrote that, just now. Oh, oh. And it shows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Now I'm in pain. Sorry, I love to torture him every year. All right. There's all sorts of other things in What's Up on Sunday, not just this. It's okay. Okay. I promise. I thank you. Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Thank you, Becca. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye, guys. (laughs) This is Ozarks at Large. It's time now to get a movie review from Courtney Lanning. But before that, Courtney... I think I know the answer to this. Where do you fall when it comes to touring these haunted houses that pop up this time of year? Are you a haunted house aficionado? You know, unsurprisingly to our listeners, I'm going to have to say no. I've worked in a haunted house in high school. What was your job? um, I was a priest performing an exorcism oh my goodness for, for kids that would come through it was it was harsh okay well i'm not a fan either just one i thought i thought you were a kindred spirit Matthew. okay we're not talking about a scary movie this week even though we're getting close to halloween no no scary movie this week it's scary a- good but but not scary <laughs> it's a western It is a Western, and they don't make a lot of those anymore, Kyle. No, they don't, but uh, judging on what you just said, Scary Good, you like this one. I do, you know, and I I want Hollywood to keep making Westerns. Uh, I didn't really see much of a point in the remake of The Magnificent Seven that came out a few years back, but it wasn't awful. Denzel did a good job. Um, You've got good titles like The Sisters Brothers and... Uh, the last two Tarantino flicks that were Westerns, The Hateful Eight and Django Unchained, True Grit, the 2010 reboot. So right. we have good modern Westerns. They just they need to make more. Well, and so this brings us to this week's movie for our conversation, The Harder They Fall. Yes, this is uh, a must see movie for Arkansas listeners. Uh, The movie has a huge tie-in with our state, and I didn't know this was going to be the case until I watched it this week, but Bass Reeves is actually a central character to the story, and he's just really cool to watch on the big screen. Uh, He even name drops Fort Smith. And Bass Reeves, of course, the legendary U.S. Marshal based in Fort Smith, played by Delray Lindo. Right. You know, and that's kind of the thing about this movie is it uses uh, a bunch of real historical people, but in a fictionalized story. Gotcha. What is the story? The story essentially follows Nat Love, who is a famous Western hero. um, And he goes to take on Rufus Buck, who is of course, another notorious outlaw from the West. Uh, And it's just about this clash between both of their gangs. Each of them hate each other for, for their own reasons. And it's got all the things that you would want from a Western. You've got horseback rides and long, beautiful shots of Western scenery and uh, quick draw duels and dynamite explosions. It's, this is a pure blood Western flick. One of the characters in this is also Cherokee Bill, who was this legendary outlaw who um, is credited. It's not the right word is, was uh, accused, uh, what are you, uh, convicted of eight murders and ended up being executed by hanging in Fort Smith. He is also uh, a powerful presence on the screen in this movie. Every, every character in this movie is just fantastic to watch. They all fit into their Western perfectly. You mentioned that these are real historic figures and Rufus Buck was a real person, but this is a fictionalized story, but who plays Rufus Buck on the screen? Rufus Buck is played by Idris Elba, who is, of course, a, a pretty big name at this point. Uh, people will recognize him from The Suicide Squad that just recently came out, but he's also been in Pacific Rim. And this is actually the second time this year he's been a cowboy for Netflix. He starred in a movie called Concrete Cowboy earlier this year. And uh, I first became familiar with him in uh, The Wire on HBO. Right. And 
Who knows? He may even end up being the new 007 for all we know. He should be. All right. So you are giving this a, an enthusiastic go see. Well, I guess you don't have to go see. You turn on your television because it's Netflix. Right. Uh, this movie available today, right now, as soon as you turn off your radio and stop listening to KUF for just a couple hours to watch it, <laughs> is on Netflix. Now, there's a big, big blockbuster that's hitting uh, theaters this weekend. Yes, and this is one that I have been waiting for since last year when they delayed the film. Uh, and it is, of course, Dune, which is based off of the hugely popular sci-fi novel from the 60s, also called Dune. Um, and this will probably be the biggest sci-fi blockbuster this year outside of some of the Marvel movies that you know have yet to come out. This is one that if you're in Fayetteville, you need to go see this on IMAX because it is supposed to be just a beautifully shot movie and the giant screen beckons for this title alone. I don't know if you'll know this, but there was a previously released version of Dune theatrical and it tried to put everything in the book in one movie, which was difficult because it's a big, complicated book. Is this trying to do the same thing or is this the start of what would be a series of films? It is my understanding based on just what I've read that this probably covers about Roughly half the book, Okay, maybe. Smart. What will you and I talk about next week? So next week, and I do already have the review copy in tow, so there's no surprises. Next week, I will be reviewing a movie for you called My Hero Academia, World Heroes Mission. And this is based off of an extremely popular uh, Japanese anime series called My Hero Academia, which is, uh, you know, this isn't some obscure anime. This is pretty front and center one. You could go to Walmart and find action figures from this anime. All right. So The Harder They Fall on Netflix now. Full review in today's Democrat Gazette. Courtney Lanning, thank you so much. Thank you. This week on Science Friday, outgoing NIH Director Francis Collins talks COVID and the benefits of basic research, plus the influx of Filipino healthcare workers. By the 1960s, the demand increased dramatically following the passage of Medicare and Medicaid and also spikes in illnesses such as the AIDS epidemic in the 1980s. All on Science Friday from WNYC Studios. Science Friday approaching at 1 o'clock this afternoon on KUAF. You can always listen to us by asking your smart speaker to please play KUAF. And Monday on Ozarks at Large, we turned the tables, or really turned the microphones, on Randy Wilburn. He's the creator and host of the podcast, I Am Northwest Arkansas. He has shared more than 200 interviews with people from our region in the two and a half years of his podcast, and he tells us he isn't the first person in his family to help share information. But I also grew up in the household of an individual that was a trailblazer of his own, right? Uh, my grandfather, Mal Good, he was the first black network newscaster in all of, of network television. ABC hired him in 1962. So when I when I was born in 1969, I, I went to live with my grandparents because my mom was finishing up um, college and then she was going on to get her master's. And long story short, I grew up around somebody that that's all I heard all day long, three Two, one. Mal Good, you know, ABC News, you know, United Nations, because his beat was the United Nations. So that's all I ever heard. Randy Wilburn discusses his podcast, I Am Northwest Arkansas, and also tells us about a series of panel discussions about relevant news for the region that he's moderating in collaboration with the Northwest Arkansas Council. The next one, Thursday morning. It'll include six doctors discussing the pandemic, the vaccine, and more. Our conversation with Randy about all of that is on Mondays, Ozarks at Large, at noon and 7 p.m. on KUAF. You can always catch up with us at OzarksAtLarge.com or by subscribing to our free podcast through any of the major podcast distributors. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Arcom Plus, offering printing, binding, graphic design, and more. Open 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Orders can be submitted via email, telephone, or walk-in service is available. Printingnwa.com or 444-7711 for additional information. Mona, the Museum of Native American History in Bentonville, will host Bentonville's Day of the Dead Festival 
October 30th. That's a week from Saturday. It's free admission. Events include a screening of Disney's Coco, the play Dead Before the Day in Spanish and English, folkloric dancing, mariachi music, raffles and prizes. This is all taking place at the Museum of Native American History in Bentonville. If you'd like to know more, mona.us. That's M-O-N-A-H dot U-S. And in celebration of Native American Heritage Month throughout November, there will be a series of talks about Native American history. It starts November 1st with Osage Nation, A Brief History. Then November 8th, The Last Choctaw Removal of 1903. November 17th, A Quapaw Perspective on Historic Preservation. For registration links or for more information, you can go to archaeology.uark.edu. You can also search Facebook. This series supported by a Bill Jordan Public Education Grant from the Arkansas Archaeological Society. For the Central Arkansas Library System, I'm Mark Chris with an Encyclopedia of Arkansas Minute. Frank Barber Coffin, a black pharmacist in Little Rock, also became a noted poet. Coffin was born in Mississippi in 1870, but moved to Little Rock in 1895 after receiving a pharmacy degree from Meharry Medical College. Three years later, he had purchased a pharmacy on 9th Street, which he named Children's Drug Store. His store motto, Follow the Children to Children's Drug Store, reflected the popularity of his soda fountain and candy counter with neighborhood kids. Coffin's first book, Coffin Poems and Ajax Ordeals, was published in 1897, expressing his affection for children and his mother, romantic love, and the troubles of racism. Other poems were published over the years in Arkansas World, Arkansas Monitor, Pittsburgh Courier, and the Douglas Monitor, and in a 1947 book, Factum Factorum. Some of his poems were reprinted in a 1994 volume, The Spirit of the Free. He died in 1951 and is buried in Little Rock's Haven of Rest Cemetery. To learn more, visit encyclopediaofarkansas.net. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Greenwood. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas, and Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF. Contributors to our Friday show included Jacqueline Froelich, Michael Tilley with Talk Business and Politics. You can find out more about what we talk about and so many other subjects at talkbusiness.net. Becca Martin-Brown, the Features Editor for the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and Courtney Lanning, Film Critic, found in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. And once again, the full review of The Harder They Fall can be found in today's Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Our thanks as well to Rhonda Dillard, KUAF's Underwriting Director, for playing along with us today. Our theme is titled First Hurrah. It is written and performed by Daryl Sean. You can find Daryl almost every weekday afternoon at 4 o'clock our time, uh, performing music, sometimes taking requests. Additional content today provided by KUAR, Public Radio for Little Rock and all of Central Arkansas. We can meet you again Sunday morning at 9 for Weekend Ozarks at Large, and we'll start a new week of shows Monday at noon and 7 p.m. And this reminder, even if you can't be with us at noon or 7 p.m. Monday through Friday or Sunday mornings at 9, several different ways you can still listen to the show, including asking your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large. You'll then hear the most recent edition of our show. We also have that free podcast that's available through any of the major podcast distributors. And, and, wait, there's more. You can subscribe to the free KUAF Ozarks at Large email newsletter. When you subscribe, you'll receive an email newsletter every Monday through Friday afternoon. It will give you a rundown of what was on the show that day, other uh, items of importance, and provide you direct links so you can go right to the interview or feature you're reading about. You can also use those links to share something you hear on Ozarks at Large with friends or family through email or social media. To subscribe to the free Ozarks at Large KUAF email newsletter, just go to KUAF.com. Thanks so much for being with us, and thanks for your continued support of Ozarks at Large and KUAF. You can always do that if it's your turn to do so at supportkuaf.com. From inside the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Kyle Kellums. Please take care of yourself. Have a great weekend. Talk to you again very soon.